Welcome to Digital Insights, a training segment within the BCTGM Voices Project. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. Each month, I will bring you a tip or trick for building relationships with existing and future members on social media. These are the tools to streamline your communications and help you reach more workers with better messaging. This is Digital Insights. cool things about the alternating format of this group in our podcast by that I mean that we're doing an interview in the beginning of the month and then later on in the month we do a training is that these conversations that I have with you guys out there in the field they often reveal concepts that can be expanded upon later on which is what happened when I was talking to local six a couple weeks ago it got me thinking about this book I read called the big leap by Gay Hendricks. So I wanted to use this today to sort of expand on this idea of understanding the gifts that you have to offer to organizing and how those apply to your purpose within the greater labor movement. So just let's review really quickly. That last discussion with Local 6, the local president, Hank McKay, had said that he set an intention to expand the organizing program in his local union just before our last convention. So he took the lead on that. He called on the strengths of people like Kevin Looney, Corey Walter, Anthony Downing. And he's had organizers come and go, but he's taken the time to really identify the reasons why they don't stick around or why they don't work out and then stay the course with this vision for his local union. I wanna quickly add in preparing for today's topic, I was really hyper observant of the activists within the black community last week who continued to educate through some really emotional news events. I'm, of course, talking about the guilty verdict on all three counts of Derek Chauvin and the uh, George Floyd case. You know, that comes down and it puts a lot of pressure on these people trying to teach through the opinions of other people, people commenting nasty things on social media. And they really draw from their purpose alone in times like that. Like, it can get really exhausting but these people have an amazing connection to their purpose, and that's what kind of carries them through when it gets hard. Dissenting opinions, dealing with people who don't like what we do, this is something we deal with in the labor movement all the time. You've heard me ask our organizers on several occasions, what kept you in it? Because these campaigns can get really contentious. And in each case, when I asked Lisa Gregory, when I asked Jasmine White, they refer back to their core belief that they have something that will improve someone else's life. The last thing I want to say on this intro, I'm going to overgeneralize that there are two types of people in this world. There are those with the full confidence in their message to speak up, zero care for who disagrees. And then there's ones like me who are like, my mom's friend that was really nice to me when I was 11. She saw my post about unions. Now she knows I'm a union activist. I wonder what she thinks of me. The people like me are going to need an extra set of tools. And so that's kind of what today's topic is going to be about. There are two main concepts in this book. The first is called our upper limit problem. And the other is kind of about how we individually perform within certain zones of work. 
So I'm going to try to be brief about the upper limit problem because it's a personal idea that you're going to want to spend some time with. I'll just read to you from page 24 a short definition of what the upper limit problem is. When you push through your upper limit thermostat setting by making more money, experiencing more love, or drawing more positive attention to yourself, you trip your upper limit switch. Deep inside your mind, a little voice says, you can't possibly feel this good, make this much money, be this successful. Unconsciously then, you do something to bring yourself back down to the thermostat setting that you're familiar with. So that even if you do achieve a glorious new height, it's often short-lived. So he goes on to give an example of a lottery winner named Jack Whitaker. This man won $300 million in a Powerball lottery and then he fell into a series of disasters. Uh, his wife left him, he was robbed, he passed out in a strip club. So this author makes the case that this money triggered his upper limit switch. You know, he went from being just a middle class regular dude like the rest of us to being a multimillionaire and unconsciously allowed things like this to happen in his life. So let's apply this back to the membership size of an individual local union. You know, let's try to bring it back and apply it directly to what we do. Let's say that you've been maintaining a membership of 200 members in your local for like 10 years. This is what you're used to. It's manageable. You know, you have a set of routines that is servicing these people. Suddenly you win an organizing campaign and you add 400 new members. So now you've gone from a 200 person local union to a 600 person local union. The upper limit problem would be a self-sabotaging act that you unconsciously do in the following months that returns you back to 200. So maybe that looks like relying on this great big knowledge, like, oh, we have 600 members now, like we don't really have to organize so aggressively for the next couple of months, you know, we can kind of relax a little bit. Or maybe it's failing to effectively service those new members. So then all of a sudden you've got word of mouth that's becoming really negative and you're making it harder on yourself to continue organizing. So the deal is really that you're gonna have to probably shake up your identity and behavior a little bit to become and maintain a 600 person local union more permanently. So if you want to dive more fully into this thought, grab this and read it again. It's like he's going to take you through some thoughts and activities to really dig deep inside yourself and figure this out. It's a very personal activity. There is a lot centered on things I don't necessarily agree with. He talks about counseling billionaires who were trying to amass this personal wealth. But he also talks about musicians who wanted to break into a higher level of fame and how he could like help them get past these barriers that they were dealing with. So I don't agree with everything, but the concepts can certainly help us as organizers. The second concept he talks about in this book is what I really want to focus on today, which is managing our zones of work. So the activities that we come up against each day are kind of going to fall into four different categories. The stuff that we're doing in a zone of incompetence. There are things that we do within our zone of competence, our zone of excellence, and then our, our zone of genius. So unionism is teamwork. We're in the business of collective bargaining, right? So there is value here in saying, just tell me what you need to do. I love the union. I'll do whatever you need me to do. 
There's even more value in figuring out what each individual brings to the table and making the most out of those gifts and ultimate service to the collective. So let me just explain what each of these zones of work are really quick. So the zone of incompetence are all these activities that you do that are just you're just not good at. There's just no point in engaging them because it's going to be a waste of your time. Somebody else can do this much more quickly and effective. The author in the book uses an example of a business consultant who spent his entire weekend trying to install a printer at his house. So this is a man who charges $1,000 an hour to counsel people who's trying to install a printer at his house. And he comes into this man and tells like, I wasted my whole weekend. I spent 13 hours on this. I couldn't even get it done. I ultimately ended up calling someone, paid them $100, and they got it done in an hour. So 100 bucks could have gotten this done in an hour. This man is like, you charge a thousand dollars an hour and you wasted 13 hours that's expensive you've wasted thirteen thousand dollars if you were to put a value on that that is your zone of incompetence don't even bother with those activities the zone of competence are things that we're capable of doing but other people could do them just as well so he tells a story about a woman he counseled who was very organized just by nature she liked to keep everything organized so her workplace really fell back on her often to keep things organized, to file the papers, to plan the company picnic. You know, instead of giving those tasks to um, someone who made a little more sense, like an administrative assistant or somebody else, she's like, oh, it's easy for me, I'll just do it. In the meantime, she's spending time on these activities that aren't really fulfilling her. She's not feeling connected to them. So the author kind of concludes once she stopped doing those things just because it's easier this way, she also let go of this burden of unfulfillment. When you're doing activities all day long that don't fulfill you, it can zap your energy, it can cause physical symptoms. So that's your zone of competence. Things that you are okay with doing but you could easily delegate that as well. The zone of excellence are the activities that you do extremely well. So as the author says, you're reliable here, you provide a steady supply of the things that your friends, your family, your own addiction to comfort thrives on. So for me, I would equate this to my identity as a graphic designer. Anything that you see on Facebook, Instagram, our website, our magazine that gets delivered to your house, I do all of the artwork and that stuff. This is what my training is in, I do this extremely well. But when I'm not connecting that skill to my purpose, it runs the risk of downgrading to just another job, which is just really unfortunate. So we wanna to try to break through this zone of excellence into what's called the zone of genius, which is this set of activities that you're uniquely suited to do. This is when those things that you're truly excellent at become interconnected with the things that you really care about, the things you really believe in. So some would call this fulfilling your purpose. As the author says, the zone of genius is gonna beckon you with increasingly strong calls throughout your life. But because they're scary, because it's inconvenient for you to go, this, getting to this point is a big leap. You know, it, it might, cause you to have to have some hard conversations with people to free up some of your time in order to 
really focus on the things that you are genius in. So again, like because it's hard, because it's scary, because it's going to inconvenience someone, a lot of us are going to tune this out by the time we're 40, he says. We have a ton of passionate people in this organization. I'm amazed by it all the time. But the point of kind of explaining this is like, if we put them in the wrong roles, if we like place them in a zone of competence, for example, we're going to sell ourselves short at the organizational level and burn people out. Even more important though, what I hope for you to take from this today is to be that person for yourself. Learning what your right role is and advocating for yourself within your organizing program. That's gonna make you a better organizer, a more effective organizer. If we were all doing that, imagine how the union as a whole could really benefit. So let's take what we know now and kind of think back to Local 6. Kevin Looney, he was the Local 6 retiree who talked about salting a plant. So he basically goes into these ununionized plants, applies for a job, and once he's hired, he gets in there and starts making friends, and then slowly brings this union, Local 6, into the conversation. Hank and John, both made the point in that discussion that Kevin is just amazing at this. Quickly making friends, building those interpersonal relationships. This is just a natural occurrence for him. Doesn't require him any extra energy. It doesn't suck the life out of him. And it likely leads to some really good outcomes because his attitude is so great about doing it. It also is very likely that doing this job is making him feel more energized at the end of the day, excited to see what tomorrow brings. And this work, when you're working that way, it'll compound on itself as a result. You'll feel happier when you're doing it. It'll be more effective. It'll happen more naturally. But here is something that I've learned from admiring people like Kevin, someone who is thriving in their zone of genius. They're very good at this. Many of us mistake this admiration for thinking that we should excel the same way doing the exact same thing and that can cause a lot of self-doubt when it doesn't work out like Kevin must be a better guy than me he must have that it factor that I don't have when what's really happening is that we're trying to be Kevin when we can only be Michelle so if I tried to be Kevin I would be exhausted I'm not the person who goes in and just starts chit-chatting with people and builds these fast interpersonal relationships. This is not a natural occurrence for me. If I attempted to do that job, my motives would be off. I'd be completely out of my lane. I would probably develop anxiety. So this is why I want to make that point in that discussion about being cognizant of the gifts we each have to offer to the purpose of our union as a whole. John Price made a joke in that recording. He called this the Michelle podcast. It's actually the all of us podcast. I've had plenty of imposter syndrome about being the facilitator of this platform. Like who am I to carry this torch? Who am I to be the voice on the BCTGM International Union's podcast? But at the end of the day, that's not what it's about at all. My purpose is to be the vehicle that delivers your stories to one another. So when I take myself out of it, focus on how much I love doing that, and when I stop wondering if other roles are making a bigger difference than mine, I just let Kevin do what he's really good at, 
and I stay focused on what I'm really good at, the union is going to be better for it. So I want everybody to kind of think of yourselves as that. You're a vessel carrying a better life to people in the form of a union. You're never asking, how can I make myself more important here, but what unique resource do I possess that can guide people to this? So when you approach it with an abundance attitude, loving the struggle, even through the disappointment, success is just always gonna be more likely. You're gonna be working hard each day because you love what you're doing and not because you're trying to prove something. Okay, so hopefully that made sense today. If you're interested in doing kind of a more deeper dive on this, the book is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I've listened to this on Audible and I also obviously have the paperback version because I like to highlight. Um, so check it out, that's it. Thanks guys. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org.